Welcome to Office Hours, a podcast presented by College Fashionista. It's Amy Levin here. This week's episode is with Megan Collins, the founder and editor-in-chief behind Style Girlfriend. We chatted about testing out different jobs before finding the right fit and what it's like to be a female leading a male-based business. Enjoy our chat. Okay, great. So you're from Wisconsin. All right. So did you go to University of Madison or where'd you go to college? No, I'm actually the black sheep in my family in plenty of ways, but uh, especially this. Everyone in my family up through my grandparents went to Madison. I'm from Madison. My whole family is still there. But I actually I stayed in the Big Ten, but I went to Penn State and tried something new. And honestly, the Penn State campus, I mean, it's it was exactly what I wanted out of my college experience. Like it was just, I mean, the student body is just as big as Wisconsin, but you can walk across the campus in like 20 minutes because it's, you know, it's all very condensed. And I sort of wanted that, like, oh, I'm like crossing the quad and people are throwing the frisbee around. Like, I wanted that type of experience. And Penn State very much offered that, whereas Madison's, uh, the campus is really integrated into the downtown area. And so it's just sort of, um, it didn't have that sort of like college feel that I'd always dreamed of. Absolutely. And it's nice to go away for college. Totally. Like, All my friends. Home is always going to be home. To have an experience, I feel like it's such a unique time to experience a different city. Oh, my God, absolutely. That if you can take advantage of it, you absolutely should. I love my high school friends, but they all stayed, and they, like, roomed together in the dorms, yeah. and then they got a house after that. And, like, I mean, they obviously made more friends, too, but there is something very uh, invigorating about the idea of, like, being plopped down in a place where you don't know anyone. And Agreed. Scary, but it's exciting at the same time. So after you graduated Penn State, did you move back to Wisconsin or did you stay out east? So I stayed out east, but I actually, um, I lived in New York when I was 18. So I took a gap year, which I totally recommend to And why? Um, I'd worked really hard in high school just because I was that kind of kid. But at the same time, I, I knew that I didn't yet know what I wanted to study or where I wanted to go to school or what I wanted to do. All I knew is that, like, I wanted to live in New York. And for me, like, I'd only ever actually been in New York when I was 12 years old. My dad took me on a work trip. We went to see The Lion King. I got pink eye in both eyes. I was like, yes. New York is the best. <laughs> this is like, yeah, I feel so welcome here. Um, but I That's loved funny. it. It sort of, like, reinforced for me, like, this you know, what I'd seen in TV shows or movie, uh, in movies. And so when I moved here when I was 18, it was August of 2001. So a month later, September 11th happened. And I'm just like here, I, uh, was rooming up with a guy whose girlfriend was going to like a conservatory here. <laughs> he kind of just followed her out here and he got a job and I had a job at, um, Bumble and Bumble, which is like this fancy hair salon. And I was managing the front desk. And, um, then all of this happens and my parents sort of, uh, assumed I'd like move back home or like decide to enroll somewhere for the second semester and just sort of like give up this sort of um, journey that I was on. And it really actually just served to sort of make me feel more um, like a New Yorker. Like I sort of took this fast track to like becoming a part of the city and loving this city. And so for me, that year in New York, that gap year really reinforced for me that A, yes, I really wanted to live in New York. And then B, also like, Yes, I'd worked hard in high school, but I wanted to work doubly as hard (laughs) in college because, I mean, I saw what it was to work for a minimum wage job and not necessarily have as many career advancement uh, prospects. Like I'd never, I was never not going to go on to college, but for me, having that sort of work, uh, working world experience really did set me straight in terms of um, 
you know, I was never going to be one of those people that like changed their major six times or like took five years to graduate. I like, I got to school and I was like, you're focused Let's do this. And it was yeah. so funny because all these other girls on my dorm floor, I remember very specifically this first week where this group of girls that I, you know, how like when you're kind of deciding like who you want to be friends with. Yeah. And so there was like this one group of girls. So I was like, maybe I want to be friends with them. And they're like, <laughs> we're going to go to the wrestling house. It's going to be like the funnest party. And I was like, I'm going to go to the library. <laughs> like I'll see you later. And you just came in with a different mindset. I'd already been independent for a year right. and I'd made my own money and I'd been like out in New York, like any, like going to state college, like after being in New York, I was like, it's not that it wasn't exciting, but there was nothing that sort of, um, drew me away from like keeping my eye on the prize, which was, you know, to graduate with great grades and great extracurriculars and make good friends, but not let that be, um, pulling me away from the notion that like, look, this is setting me up for the rest of my life. So I want to, I don't want to mess it up. I think that's a really good outlook. And I do think it's challenging when you're 18 going from high school to college and it just feels a little routine and expected, right? Because your whole life you're in school and then you go to college and it's like, this is what I'm supposed to do. And I don't think that everyone appreciates like how fantastic college is and like everything that you can get out of your four years there from, you know, both an educational standpoint and just like a personal self-learning standpoint. Oh, absolutely. My and I, I think a gap me. year is really interesting. Like it's not something that was even on my radar or really something that anyone I knew at the time was doing. But now, you know, being out of college and talking to people, it sounds like it's a bit more common than I realized. It's a lot more common overseas. Yeah. Um, but now more and more so here, I like to say that Malia Obama got the idea for me. Look, I think for the most part, we are a very sort of um, sheltered generation. And I think that probably holds true for the one but like coming up behind us. Um, and so it can't hurt, right, to get a little bit of like dirt under your fingernails and be like, oh, this is what it is to struggle. Right. Like, and really understand sort of the importance of if, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a college degree, but the importance of setting your mind to the idea of like, now I have to turn into an adult. Yep. It's a hard reality. Yeah. And some people don't do that until they're like 22 or 23 when really like you've been becoming an adult since you turned 18. Yeah. And so to maybe find a way to ease yourself into that instead of uh, like emerging at the end of college fully formed, but also still kind of a kid in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's like a shock to the system. Well, I think you know, having part-time jobs or internships or things like that throughout college also set you up. And kind of what you said, like, I, I was always an intern during summers and I took it very serious. And I sometimes, you know, have multiple internships and it was like a taste of the real world because I took it very serious and I put a lot of attention and focus into it. And I would come back to college, like, really excited to, like, have a break almost because college yeah. felt more like a break. So... And I that's get it. not to take away from anyone that, like, needs a, a part-time job that's just about paying the bills. Like, I totally right. get that, too. But I agree. I think internships are so important. And, like, too many people, myself included, like, I didn't get one for the first two years that I was in college. Because yeah. I also was like, I need a little bit of a break. And, I, I mean, I was studying. But, yeah, I mean, to make sure that you sort of have that mix of academic and then sort of pr professional preparation is so important. Yeah. Okay, so let's fast forward. So after your time at Penn State... What was your first job? So my first job out of college was at an ad PR agency called SSK downtown. Um, and it was funny because I, I decided that I wanted to get into public relations. Uh, Were you majoring in PR? 
at yeah, Penn I, State? I triple majored because I ambitious. Yep. Um, like I said, I I just sort of went for it. Um, but yeah, uh, PR, <laughs> uh, political science, and French. Um, which why not? Sure, right? Like if you're not going to be a doctor or a lawyer, I always kind of feel like just do something that you are going to be engaged with and, and are really interested in. I was really interested in all of those things. So um, what I loved about PR was that I got a chance to write. And whether that was a fact sheet or a news release or um, even just like a really well-worded email to a potential client, I really always loved um, sort of the crafting of the message. And so I got a job in PR and it was public affairs. So it wasn't super sexy. It was like charitable, you know, um, like NGOs and things like that. But I pretty quickly realized that it wasn't totally on track with what I wanted to do. So I sort of made a switch over into advertising pretty quickly. And that was when digital advertising was just getting started. And I, I Were you, did you go and work at a big agency? Yeah. And I, I had this sense that like, this is going to stick around. So it's going to be useful to have in my back pocket, no matter what. And even today with what I'm doing with Style Girlfriend, like I use the knowledge that I learned in that role all the time. Cause I know what clients want. I know what advertisers want when it comes to, right. you know, display and things like that. And advertising still kind of wasn't right. It was just like a very Goldilocks situation where I, I felt like I was sort of funneling my way towards the right job for me, not necessarily like landing on it at, on day one. And I think a lot of people probably have that experience. I think most people. I think it's very <laughs> rare to start your first job and be like, I love this. Like I just graduated college and now I love my job and I love this. And it's like it's not supposed to be like that. Right. Yeah. Like it's a journey for a reason. And it's, it's, I think it's great not to love what you're doing at first because even if you land in the right industry, like you're going to be getting somebody's lunch. And I think that that can be very humbling, which is probably a good thing. Cause yeah, even if you're like this, this is what I want to do, but I'm just like 10 steps away from the role that I want to be doing it in. Yeah. Like everybody has to pay their dues and it's such an annoying thing to say. And it doesn't mean that you should like keep your head down and not ask for promotions or like not ask for more responsibility. It just means like, you were not coming out of school deserving to be the CEO of a company. So that was, I mean, that was a hard lesson to learn, but it was definitely worthwhile. So by the time that I got through a few more jobs in advertising, because when you're first starting out in both PR and advertising, you kind of have to jump around from job to job to like get both A, a promotion and B, like a raise that mean anything. Um, and I feel like at PR and advertising agencies, like it's good to jump around because you learn different clients and different categories and different processes that these organizations do all under the same field, oh, which totally. is useful to understand how everyone's operating. For sure. For sure. And like, that's like, same thing on the PR side. Like if I'd stuck in PR, like I probably would have gone to the client side and then maybe like going right. back to the agency side and gone to a bigger agency where I had five clients that I worked on and then gone to a smaller agency where I just worked on one, like totally worth it to figure out the way again, like in a very Goldilocks way of like figuring out what's the right fit for you. Um, and sort of for me, by the time I got through those sort of different, you know, houses of, uh, like advertising type jobs, I was like, no, I, this is just not right for me, period. Um, and what I realized was I really wanted to write. And so on the side, like at night, like on the weekends, I started taking on any freelance writing project I could get. And how were you finding those initial opportunities? You know, it's so funny. Like, I should have a better way of saying this by now, um, and I don't, which means I should probably read more, like, books on, like, I don't know, transcendental meditation or something. But <laughs> it's very much like The Secret. Like, I literally had to – I told a friend, and I was super embarrassed, and I was very, like, shy about it and, like, scared. But I was like – you know, I like, we were having brunch, and I was like – 
you know, I really want to write. And for some reason, like that felt like the scariest thing to say out loud because I was like, what right do I have to like say that that's what I want to do? Like to me, it felt like being like, I want to be a ballerina or like an astronaut. Like it felt like something that wasn't like almost like wasn't a real job and also just wasn't available to me because I that's not what I like trained for. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even though I totally did have those skills. And I think that's something that women do to themselves where like they won't apply to a job a lot of they only have like five of seven bullet points that are the where like a guy would a have guy like two. two yeah and, and he's like, like I, I I deserve this <laughs> for sure exactly and it's crazy but it also works right so for me I had to say like I want to be a writer and I think that's something that I can do and literally that's how I got my first opportunities because that friend said to another friend who said to another friend like oh I heard you guys need like freelancers like you know yeah. my friend's friend is doing that and so so it's like just it vocalizing what you want almost yeah because nobody's like if you don't tell anybody no one's you inside want, your head gonna know it yeah that's yeah, interesting totally. especially if it's like a side hustle like nobody unless you decide to start putting it out to the world nobody's gonna know you want to do that and was that allowed at your full-time job to be doing work on the side or were you kind of just doing it yeah, undercover. Because I, mean, I know a lot of our students really like the idea of freelance and consulting and doing things outside of their full time job. But I do think that there's like a certain protocol you need to go through in order to play it safe. And, you know, you want to make sure that you're not stepping on any toes because we are, this industry is, you know, rather small. So, oh, so, small. so how did you navigate that? Um, you know, it was interesting. I didn't have any, like, there weren't any conflicts of interest for what we were doing, for what my work was. For me, it was more just a matter of making sure that I got everything I needed to do at work done before I, you know, started thinking about right. what else I was doing. And that actually is really what precipitated me finally leaving advertising is because I was always thinking about writing. And it was really making me, like, bad at my job. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you're... you're- you, your kind of interest and passion was somewhere else. Yeah, totally. Totally. It's it, like when you first fall in love and like you're literally just like you have like a cartoon bubble above your head where you're just like <laughs> thinking about, you know, whoever like all totally. day long. It was like that but for, but for a career and which is really exciting. Like I felt glad, like I felt really happy to have found work. So for me, working in advertising where I did feel like I was looking at the clock and then to be able to move into something where I was like, I don't care how late I work, like, because I love this. The seesaw had shifted in the other direction, and it didn't mean that I was ready financially. Like, I definitely had to hustle for a couple of months in order to get as much work to make me sort of as okay as I was when I was working in advertising, and I still wasn't okay for a while. Like, I scraped right. by, um, because the freelance life is not, like, we it's are always chasing work. You're always chasing work. Like, you're either doing the work that you pitched and got bought, or you're, like, pitching work. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, you started doing freelance, and and when did you launch your business? So, Style Style Girlfriend. So, Style Girlfriend got started totally by accident. Like, I always wish I could tell you that I did this, like, broad sweeping competitive analysis, the men's wear landscape, and found that a female voice was really missing, but I just fell into it. Uh... At the same time that I was taking on all of these different freelance gigs, um, a good friend of mine out in L.A. was starting up a made-to-measure suiting company. And he said, look, I know you're trying to write more. I need content for my website. Do you want to just write, like, a weekly column? And so with visions of, like, Carrie Bradshaw dancing in my head, I was like, oh, 
yeah, I totally want to write a weekly column about fashion. Um, even though I don't know anything about men's fashion is that, and I said, and I said that to him cause I was like in full transparency, like the last time I thought about men's fashion was like Jonathan Taylor Thomas on home improvement. Um, <laughs> and like stealing my brother's starter jacket in fourth grade. Yeah. But I was like, I can do it. Cause again, you know, getting rid of that sort of um, self-defeating mentality of like, I don't have the, the cred to do this. I was like, I can figure it You'll out. You'll figure it out, right. But just know that it's going to be me coming at this from the position of just a fan of guys dressing well, not an expert on how guys dress. And he said, yeah, yeah, I'm, I was doing it for free. So he's like, who cares, whatever. <laughs> right. He's like, I just need content. Totally. He's like, I don't know, just like tell you know, guys, what girls like to see them wearing, maybe tell them to wear suits more, more often. And I said, I can do that. So I think that you or me or anyone in your office could literally look at any guy in the street and be like, his pants are too long. He needs a haircut. His suit fits him really great. Like, I love the color combination of that, like tie and, you know, pocket square. The position I took was like, as women, for better or for worse, appearance is like driven into us from a very young age that it matters. And also just these like tips and tricks. It was just those type of things. And it was just one of those things where it sort of struck a nerve and it took off and it ended up being syndicated by a national newspaper chain. Like, like they just found it and came to us. Um, and so the columns started showing up everywhere from like the LA times, the Miami Herald. And like, I didn't make that much money for that, but it gave me this credibility that sort of helped me get rid of my imposter syndrome of, again, I shouldn't be writing about this. I don't know anything about this. So to have those sort of um, bylines and all these different amazing publications, like even if it was just online, I was like, oh, I'm like, I'm like a real writer. Right. And so uh, after about a year, my friend and I both agreed that it like did not make sense to live on his site anymore. I bought the domain, which I was shocked was still available, um, which is such a hot tip. Like if you think of a I, good brand name, like buy it immediately. I remember buying College Fashionista. And it was, I, I also couldn't believe it was available. And I just remember like sitting there and buying it and that whole like high of purchasing a domain and like thinking about like where you want this business and brand to go. It's layers onto each other and goes from there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think like what people end up hearing though from these kind of stories is like, and yada, yada, now I run this company and it's successful and blah, blah, blah. But it definitely was not easy. Like every single time that I have made like a major decision to do something really scary and entrepreneurial, I've been like terrified and I've not been ready. And I, the only way that I've been able to convince myself is by kind of like looking at my present situation and being like, but this isn't good enough. So I have to change. Um, but I think if you always like want to wait until you're ready to make a big change, like you're never going to make it cause you're never going to be ready. Like I, every time I do something, there's at least like two months to six months to like longer where I'm just like that coyote in the cartoon like jumped off the cliff and I just haven't realized I'm falling yet. Right. And you just have to do it because otherwise you'll never, you'll never take that next step. You'll never make that move. Um, and so yeah, whether it was giving up all my other freelance projects, which were like by that point kind of like chugging along and were like good enough, but they weren't really exciting me. I had to give those up in order to devote all my time and attention to Style Girlfriend, even though Style Girlfriend wasn't yet like making me the same amount of like revenue as I was getting from like right. this group of projects. But yeah, I mean, you just have to kind of start taking those, those steps and assume, I mean, have a game plan, but also kind of, you know, we're an independent publisher of men's style content. Like, <laughs> and how do you get new viewers to the site and more social followers? Since I feel like a lot of our students have really great ideas, but it's the 
you know, obtaining a following, that's the tricky part. That's the only part that did kind of just like yada yada for us in terms of the, the followers. Like I can't tell you how we gained a new, like the audience that we did when we were first starting out because I didn't know anything about like SEO or any of that. Like people were just finding us organically. And now we obviously have a strategy where it is about like putting out content where we know that it's keywords that people are searching for. Um, things like this like are always really helpful. We always sort of have watershed moments of like, oh, this algorithm was featured here, there, or wherever. And then this new audience kind of finds us and discovers us that way. And some people stay, some people don't come back again, but some people do and become like devoted readers and email me saying like, I've literally just gone like six hours into your archived content and I it's the best feeling, I'm going right? to go buy this thing or whatever, like because of you and you're like, oh. Is it predominantly males that yeah. are reading your site or do some females read for their husbands or boyfriends? Some women are reading it, um, but it's overwhelmingly male. It's like 80% is guys reading us. And it totally makes sense, right? We're literally, it's guys style from a female perspective. And we think that we're hitting this like very interesting, you know, I call it a niche, but it's actually, it's a pretty big niche, which is guys who want to dress well, are not afraid of sort of, um, being perceived as like vain if they do, but they also just aren't into fashion with a capital F. Like they do not care what's going down the runway. They don't care what's like trendy for fall. They just want to look good. Yeah. And they want us to be easy and they want us to say, here's three pairs of jeans that are going to look great on you instead of here's 200 pairs of jeans that are on Amazon or at Nordstrom or whatever. So we're just really shortcutting that discovery process. And it's so different than how women shop because women tend to love the discovery process. Yeah. I mean... For me, it's a hobby to search online. It's it's so therapeutic, but yeah, for guys, it's like transactional. It's like, let's go get it done. Which is, I love that they trust us enough to let us take them across the, like that last mile. Yeah, it's awesome. And I think what's interesting is like we still obviously give them sort of agency over their own style. I think a lot of what's out there, especially with these like newer like quote unquote like styling services, they sort of treat guys like they're idiots. And it's like, men don't know how to shop. So here, we're going to do it for you. And we're not saying that. We're just saying, like, you have other stuff to do in your life. And in the same way that you order dinner on Seamless because you don't feel like cooking, like, let us help with shopping. But still, at the end of the day, you're the one deciding what you want to wear. And you're the one deciding what you want, you know, your personal style to be. I agree with you. What did the guys dress like at Penn State? Oh, gosh. Um, A lot of cargo shorts. A lot of baseball caps. I mean, I haven't been back in a hot minute, so I can't tell you for sure, but it's definitely like a lot of fan gear, right? Which I totally, I, I have oh, There's to a lot in, of school spirit. Totally. And that's great. Like, I mean, it's the same thing in Wisconsin. Like I get off the plane when I go to visit my family in Madison and it's like a sea of like red and white for the Badgers and then like green and gold for the Packers. <laughs> and why not? Right? Like if you for can sure. get away with sports wear in like your daily life, then, then do it. And for me, like after living in New York and working again at this sort of like high-end salon where I had to look really nice every day, I got to school and was like, I am not taking these sweatpants off for four years and you can't make me. So for me, like I kind of am into the idea of the college campus being that incubator for like, again, like learn how to be an adult, but also appreciate the fact that like this is the last time you're going to be having like dollar drafts and being able to wear sweatpants to class for the rest of your life. So like enjoy it. (laughs) I absolutely love what college guys are wearing lately. I mean, that's kind of a broad statement, but I think that guys care more now than when I was in college, and I think that there are more options for them, and there's more education for them on, like, 
how to wear cool joggers or like how to wear a denim jacket. And it's not just like you say, the fashion guys, it's like the everyday guy. And I have to say, we have a column called Let's Hear It For The Boys, which is just spotlighting college guys and their style and, you know, what their major is and really showing that it's like not just one type of guy that that's into fashion on college campuses, that there's, you know, a broad range of guys who are interested. And I don't know, it just always impresses me. Like every time we go to a campus, I'm like, that guy's cool. That guy's cool. Like they're they're into it so and uh, we you're have definitely a ton of readers that are like college mm-hmm. age like there's definitely sure. guys that are like oh i again i understand that i can't dress like a slob for the rest of my life and whether it's i need clothes for my internship or clothes for job interviews or just clothes to be better dressed than all my friends or frat brothers like that's admirable like get a jump on it right right for sure in what ways does being a menswear connoisseur influence your own personal style I'm definitely more aware of how I'm dressed when I'm in public because I never know when I'm going to run into a reader and I don't want to be looking like a slob and have them be like, wait, this is who I'm getting style advice from. (laughs) Um, And it's, it's the best example of like that bearing out is I was headed to, when I like left New York, I was like, oh, I'm going to just like throw on these leggings and this like big shirt. And then I was like, you know what? No, I always tell my readers that they should dress up for the airport and like, I'm going to follow my own advice. So I wore a really comfortable dress, but a very nice looking sort of bright pink dress and this navy blazer and then some white like tree torn sneakers. So I had that layover and like, you know, eat a croissant like a zombie and then get back on the plane. And however many hours later, I'm like checking into my hotel. I'm checking style girlfriend and seeing the comments that day. And I'm not kidding you. A reader in the comments had said, I could swear that at six o'clock this morning, I saw Megan at the airport in Hamburg. No way. And I was like, get the F out of here. That is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I was like, you did. And, and I looked great. I <laughs> yeah. And it that's was like, funny. it was very, um, like that doesn't always happen, but like, it, obviously like, it's not like I'm getting recognized like every day, but like, it is one of those things where you should never like let yourself go. Like if you're at home, like no, I know the what you dirtiest, mean grossest sweatpants like whatever but like as soon as you leave the house you really are like presenting yourself to this like to the world and like you're only going to get one shot if you do run into that person or some you know somebody who you're not expecting to see so like be be ready I feel like especially living in New York because it's not like we get in a car when you leave your house you're like on the street out and about so I I have that same thought process like I live across the street from the market but like I'll never just run there and like sweats I I kind of pull it together but I do think that that is it's great that we have that attitude because when you do enter the world or you leave your house like you know you want to look presentable it gives you confidence and you just never know no absolutely I mean it, I think yeah there's worse mottos to live by you never know yes for sure so the question is you have your own podcast undressed with style girlfriend can you tell our listeners a bit more about it and what you like about this platform versus other platforms that you guys are on yeah absolutely i mean i think podcasts are so intimate like you and i are literally like a foot from each other's faces right now and we've never met but i'm just like oh my god like tell me everything about you um and it's fun like it's just it's a it's um a medium that sort of drives really intimate conversation and uh answers that you wouldn't necessarily get if you like emailed the questions or if you like asked someone over the phone right um which is how you get answers for like a q a that might be like an editorial feature 
So I love the podcast for that reason. For me, like selfishly, I've got to interview either just like friends of mine that I'm like, I want to get you in front of our audience or people that I've never met that I'm like, I want to meet you. Like, maybe I want to be friends with you. And like, this can be like a jumping off point. Um, So selfishly, it's just like my chance to interview people that I think are really cool and interesting and that our audience might take something from. We did an episode recently on like, representation um like female representation in the media and i think for me like i make a point to be cognizant that i have this really interesting platform where i am a woman but i'm speaking to a mostly male audience so if i can get some ideas in front of them in a way that maybe they hadn't thought about before i think that that's like a good civil service on my part um and not in a way that's like forcing it down their throat but like in a way that's just like hey have you ever considered this and then they're like no like I had not and I never thought about it that way so for me like I feel really lucky that I have this very receptive audience that is willing to hear things from me in a way that maybe they aren't um, hearing it otherwise or sort of are glossing over it when they hear it from uh, like in another medium or in another way does that make sense completely you're servicing them with fashion content so why not also talk to them about topics that are important to you that are outside that category. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I think it goes back to the idea of like never looking at Style Girlfriend like a fashion blog. Like I always have really looked at Style Girlfriend as like a way to create communication and understanding. Like when I got out of advertising, that was literally like my biggest thing is like, I took on all these different writing jobs that like kind of seemingly had no thread except for the fact that it was me just wanting to be like, you know, typing into my computer saying, I feel this way about this thing. Does anyone else feel that way too? And then to have people be like, I do. And it's the best feeling in the world to create a connection with someone that you've never met and like probably never will, but to be like, it's like self-improvement, but in a way that's not hokey, I hope. (laughs) I like it. Okay, some last questions that are one word answers. Um, And we call these our rapid fire questions. So I'll be fast. I won't think about it. Don't think about it. Biggest fashion mistake a guy can make? Ooh. Oh, gosh. Um, just, like, not being confident. Like, if you want to try something, try it and own it. Number one grooming tip for guys? It's the, like, fancier haircut is worth the money. Best city for menswear street style fashion? New York. Agreed. <laughs> what was your dream job growing up? Uh, I wanted to be a fashion model. Uh, which is hard when you're five six. <laughs> and something we have to know about you. I loved Penn State, and I loved the friends I made there. And I, you know, I loved going to the football games. And and I think that um like that I'm not gonna let that be taken away from me like based on other people's actions. So even cherish though, your time. Yeah, cherish your time. Even though sometimes like when people first ask like oh where'd you go to school? And I'm like oh, I went to school in Pennsylvania. But like I went to Penn State and I loved going to Penn State. So. You know, if there's some, I don't know what else, I mean, there's so much stuff happening on college campuses these days, but like, you can only be responsible for yourself. So like, yeah, cherish your time, enjoy it, like be proud of, you know, of where you come from. Yeah, I agree. College is super special and I feel like take advantage of every opportunity and everything that you can possibly do there because it really is kind of the foundation that sets you up for, for life in a sense. Totally. And like, don't feel like you have to experience other, like, it doesn't have to be anybody else's experience but yours. So whatever college means to you or whatever, like, you want out of your college experience, like, go after it because you can find it. 
For sure. Well, thank you so much. It was so nice chatting with you. And we will keep following everything that you're doing. And congrats on all the success. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, you can find us online at stylegirlfriend.com and then on all social platforms at stylegf. Perfect. Got to save that character count. Perfect. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Thanks, Megan, for joining Office Hours, and for you, the listener, to tuning into this episode. Be sure to rate, subscribe, and give us your feedback about our show. We appreciate all the support. See ya!